Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with Nancy and Lisa. You know, the crazy mother-daughter travel team on the Love Your Park Store and also publishers of Big Blend magazines. And today we're excited to welcome author Julia Brewer Daly. And you know what? I grew up with the Daly girls. Remember that, Nancy? I oh, wonder. Boy. Don't even. Oh, boy. They there got was me a in naughty trouble. one in there. Yeah, they were yeah, bad yeah. influence. They got me in trouble, but Julia probably will not get me in trouble. I don't know, but uh, she is joining us to talk about her award-winning novel. It is called No Names Given, and it delves into quite a history of the mid-1900s maternity homes. You've got to even think about what women are going through now, um, and then what happens with the kids, and so it's a it's, it's, I think it's timely, quite frankly. So I encourage you to go to her website. It's juliadaily.com. And also keep up with her on Amazon and bookshop.org. Julia, welcome to the show. But I want to say thank you for being on bookshop.org because um, we like them over there. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> we love, we love our independent bookstores. Anyway, yes, we can we help them, especially during the pandemic. I think that was the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, we're doing some uh, booklets. You'll end up on there too. We just started doing it just for, you know, our audience to be able to connect with the authors on our shows. You know, it's like whatever we can do to keep, you know, like you're saying, the independent bookstores going, but welcome. And um, yeah, the Daily Girls got me in trouble. I just want you to know they really did. Well, that's my mating name. So I'm not going to take um, responsibility for your trouble. <laughs> Yeah, well, don't blame yeah, me. This was in don't Kenya. take it. They were, they were of British descent. Uh, this <laughs> was in so Kenya. <laughs> She's got the brewer, but uh, no names uh, to be given. This is, you know, as soon as I saw, you know, uh, we were working with Books Forward, as you know, and um, as soon as I saw what the book was about, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. we have to have her on the show. This is so important because I think it's, and, and you're in Texas, you know. Texas, oh, you got some stuff going on there right now. Um, you know, when you talk about adoption, uh, also what women have gone through for the years, I thought this was so important to bring you on the show and talk about this. Nancy's been reading the book and mm-hmm. Nancy, no spoilers, but um, you, got soaked, you got sucked into it. Mm-hmm. No, it's extremely well written. It moves so fast. I'm like, dude, you know, when you're with this girl, then you're with this girl, then you're with this girl, and you want to know what you, you just you have to finish it because you need to know what happens to each one and why. Mm-hmm. You know, and I um, I purposely don't finish books because before an interview because I will blab. And we don't want to give endings away. So my question in my mind is, um, do they ever meet up again after? See, I'm already giving. No, okay. Let's just, I'm going to back you up, Nancy. Let's talk about the three women because this is New Orleans, right? They're in New Orleans and they had to give up their babies, right? Their firstborns. So give us a little overview Mm -hmm. so none of us mess it up for you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is uh, set in 1966, mm-hmm. and it takes place, it begins in New Orleans with three unwed young women who meet at a maternity home hospital to relinquish their babies for adoption. Of course, mm-hmm. back then, society demanded that. There was no such thing as single parents. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, really? a shameful, shameful time for women, and um, especially if someone became pregnant. So these women meet there at the maternity home and they become fast friends because it's kind of like being in a foxhole, you know, you would 
he gained friendships really fast in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it has a thread of memoir running through it because I'm a, an adopted child from a maternity home in New Orleans. So some of my story is sprinkled through. And Nancy, when you get to uh, the adopted children, you'll notice Julie and she um, has a lot of stories that are actual stories from my childhood. Mm, but okay. These women meet there and they leave their children there. They don't even know if they've had boys or girls because back then oh, wow. they didn't allow you to hold mm. the children, to see the children. Yeah. You, were, you were knocked out when you were giving birth and they used forceps. And so these women didn't know if they'd had boys or girls. And wow, then the- forceps. Whoa, whoa. Let's back what? up there. Like, <laughs> no, don't. Is, this Ow. is not like a normal, <laughs> this is not a normal, like, birth where you get to go to Lamar's class and things no, like that. Like, you, this no. is your, your, it's almost like a factory. They're like. just taking them out of you. Yes. Ow. And instead of you having a normal birth, because then you will see no. some parts of the baby if you no. have the ability to, to look. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Your forceps connect. is how they and don't they usually use the forceps on the on the head of the child yes and they come out with marks on their forehead yes. and that was the case even for my mm-hmm. first child i had my first child in 1974 and oh, they my used, birth year. yeah and they used forceps then so wow i don't know when they discontinued that practice but these women leave those children there in the hospital, in the, in the home to relinquish them for adoption and return home and try to build a life because they are told they are not to ever mention this again, that they are no yeah. longer mothers and that they have to build a life and forget what happened in that home. And 25 years later, they're brought back together uh, mm-hmm. because of blackmail, exposing their secrets all the way to the White House. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's an interesting uh, story and a twist there. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that blackmail gets involved here. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, did that happen with you? No, no. <laughs> <blackmail. laughs> I got to ask. You know, come on. You know, but but you know uh, the whole thing about women is it it. Nancy, now you had me in California. So were the forceps gone at that point? You know, for no, 70- the forceps forceps are a medical instrument that's used for many different purposes. Oh but, uh, no, they're just, they're like tongs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You go in and get something out of the frying pan with tongs. It, it's oh. almost that's the best, the closest. So when I, I can't can remember anything, I'll just say I was a forcep baby. No, <laughs> you weren't, you know? but you weren't. Yes, I don't. Oh, but but this is this is um it, it's it's well you know medicine has changed over years, but what was going on for women at that point? You're talking about being a single woman at that point. I mean, I had to think even just that you know Nancy with you is you know back then it's even it's, in careers your your dad didn't even want you couldn't go to college unless you're going to be a nurse oh, or a teacher. Well, that was my dad. He was so pigheaded and but, behind but isn't the that times. At that point, yeah. That it was thought of them because that's what happened with me as well. I had a choice of being a nurse or a teacher and I hated, there it the, is. I hated the sight of blood. So I talked. <laughs> I know I used to faint. I used to faint whenever a doctor gave me an injection or a shot. I just, and there's like, oh, you're going to be a nurse. I'm like, oh, well, good luck with that one. <laughs> so, so this, this story, I mean, it, it was this, have you always written? Tell us a little bit of background on you on that is, what led you to, hey, I'm going to write this. I know it's connected to your history too, but what what led you to go, hey, I'm going to write and look at all the awards you've, you've got. Mm. You're an Amazon bestseller. You've got all these awards. Yeah. I mean, you're kicking butt and it's been out just only a few months, right? It's not that long out there. Yes, it launched in August of last year. And so mm. it hasn't been out very long. And I'm just really excited by all the attention that it's received. Mm. But I, had, I was an English major, as I said, to teach mm-hmm. school, of course, but um, I taught at different colleges, and while we, I was there as public relations director at one college, they allowed us to take classes, and so I took some writing courses, mm-hmm. and nice. I actually wrote a couple of these chapters 
um, when I was there at that college. And when we were moving to Texas, I found those files and I said, you know, it's long past time to get this story on paper. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the growing number of debut novelists over the age of 60. And believe it or not, there are a lot of us out here. And mm -hmm. what really started me thinking about this story was 45 years ago, I searched and found my birth mother. And wow. back, back then, if I had written a story, it would have been a sensation because nobody was talking about searching and finding a, uh, birth parents. And, um, you know, every magazine now you pick up has a reunion of some type, you know, an uh, adoption story. Mm -hmm. But back then, nobody was talking about it. So I kind of filed it away. And of course, I had a career and, and I was rearing three children. And so I was quite busy. But in retirement, I said, I'm going to get this story down on paper. And so I did. You know, it's wow. interesting that the 60s, I mean, the wild and wonderful hippy dippy mm -hmm. 60s, free love and Griffith Park in LA and just go hook up with Woodstock. anybody you want to, Woodstock, all that. And they then be. here's here comes <laughs> the other side of it, the unwed mothers. Yes. And it's somehow, I don't know how this happens. It's the woman who always takes the fall for it, the guys, oh, well, boys will be boys kind of attitude. And it's the responsibility always ends up lying with the woman and the male has no responsibility at all because that's his nature. I have, I object. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, back then, Nancy, um, there were not very many birth control methods, if any, mm -hmm. Uh, depending if you were in the 50s or 60s mm -hmm. and so um and there just weren't any options abortion was illegal and, and men don't like condoms and uh, <laughs> and so it was it was you had lambskin back then didn't you the big it, was a, it was a time that we didn't have many choices yeah mm. and today this topic is so relevant because we're talking we're about same-sex adoptive parents we're talking about adopting mm -hmm. out of the culture we're talking about international versus um in-country adoptions mm -hmm. um you know the closed record states versus the open record states i mean they're just so many oh yes the, that those records so what? what was that like for you to go mm -hmm. and you know when i was in high school a good friend of mine was also adopted she had her a wonderful family around her but she always wanted to find her adopted, especially mother, right? And and I said, well, I'll write the book. We'll go together and do this. Well, there was no internet at that point. This is the late 80s, mm -hmm. early 90s. Mm -hmm. And always kept talking about it. Of course, we didn't do it. I don't know at this point. She's in South Africa now. But she and she went on to have children and have this wonderful life. And I always think about that. She just really, especially as a teenager, you're going through so much and then mm. you really are at that stage of finding out who you are. And she was at that point. And it was, it was, it, you know, now we have Google. And so, but then you were saying like, even some states it's closed, some's open. We have DNA. Mm. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Um, now that can help, but like, I don't think mm -hmm. when she was, we didn't have all the DNA back then. No, mm -hmm. that wasn't until the late eighties. And that's part of my book. I pushed it into the sixties instead of the fifties because of that. I wanted to show also the DNA results that are really wreaking havoc on our mm -hmm. country right now and exposing mm -hmm. secrets that families did not want exposed. Mm -hmm. And when I searched and found my mother, my birth mother, it wasn't because I didn't have a wonderful uh, adoptive family. I did. And those yeah. are my parents and always oh. will be the people who raised me. 
but I wanted to know health records. We didn't have any health records left with That's a good it. point. And every time I'd go into a doctor's office, they'd say, um, do you have a history of cancer or diabetes or heart mm. disease? Heart disease, yeah. And I'd have to say, I have no idea I'm adopted. And we'd have to start from scratch. And my children started having issues, health issues. And I thought, mm -hmm. where does this come from? You know, I need to know more. Mm -hmm. So I hired an attorney to go to the uh, Bureau of Records in New Orleans. And luckily, there was still on the books a Napoleonic law that said an adopted child can inherit from their natural parents. Well, you can't inherit from your natural parents if you don't know who they, they are. don't know them. Yeah. Wow. So that was the little loophole that opened the records for me. And I received wow. the original birth certificate. I don't know if you know, but when a child is adopted, the um, original birth certificate of the birth parents are sealed and, mm -hmm. and they issue a new birth certificate with the adoptive parents' names on there as if they gave birth to that child. So that's why a lot of secrets can wow. be held in families because they have mm -hmm. a birth certificate that says they're the parents. And if they want to not tell the child that that child is adopted, they can do that. Oh boy, you know, Nancy. Can I just say paperwork <laughs> is paperwork? And people fill out paperwork. So when you read something on a piece of paper, it doesn't necessarily tell you the truth. Um, I know from my own family, I found out later in life that my father had three wives at the same time. And each wife had six kids. And wow. he tried to name us in order so we'd all have the same names. Isn't that fun? And they <laughs> all have more than one birth certificate. I know. So when Andy, while you're on the road, you need to be writing a book about that. Oh no. Well, I have well, met weirdly, some... weirdly, we end up in areas yeah. that we do have family, like yeah, relatives, and even if I... we leave, and mm. it's odd, and we're like, okay, this it's is weird. Really and she does weird. need to because it's I, like uh, because there's also know. you know Mormon faith there's a polygamist and he wasn't he was an atheist it's not he was but just then, a... yeah and then but then majority of the family turns to be Mormon so it's a it's... very we don't know what's going on and it's and then mm. there's two marriage certificates for my grandmother there's different there's more there's than just... one it's weird it's, so it's people, nuts did things they went over to mexico to get married because a lot of people did because of blood and all of that mm -hmm. yuma arizona is a hotbed of history of people going there because you it's didn't called to being have pregnant blood taken. and it, it's called being pregnant and running to get a marriage certificate in mexico because it's easier you pay 10 bucks yes and, and you can cross the border and, and free, yeah you cross the border so you can say well i got married in mexico and then you cross back over and go and do it through the states, which takes a lot longer. And mm -hmm. so at least you have a defense. Oh, we were on holiday in Mexico. We thought we'd get married. But, oh, oh yeah. so cross the border and got pregnant. Look at that. Well, you know, this is what's so interesting to me is the stories that come out every time mm -hmm. I talk to people about my story, mm -hmm. they tell me about their stories. And yeah. the most fascinating um, endearing part of this journey has been hearing from birth mothers mm -hmm. who wow. made their babies for adoption oh. and, and needed mm -hmm. to talk to somebody, wanted a little closure, wanted to know how I felt as an adopted child about my birth mother. Mm. You know, they just wanted, wanted to talk to somebody. And so I have loved hearing those stories. One woman contacted me from California and she had actually given birth in the same maternity home where I was born. No wow. way. Yes. Oh. It's a small world and mm. the story this, is numerous. Yeah. You think about the mothers having to do this and yeah, the birth control was different back then, but you know, then we had like Planned Parenthood and now that's a big political crazy world and you're in texas so we i don't even know if we're allowed to say anything without getting arrested <laughs> i'm just saying but you know what i mean it's it's a it's a really hot topic and but it's you've got to think about women and what they're going through right now in texas i mm -hmm. you know it's like you know there's the abortion side and and i don't want to rile everybody's feathers but there's that and then you know adopting out 
because you that's what you that's the that that's your option it doesn't mean that while you're pregnant you don't have maternal instincts and feelings you nurtured this baby for Mm -hmm. nine months eight to nine months maybe ten Lisa, Lisa? Mike is going. Yeah, something's really gone crazy there. We need to back up. Stop. Am I there? Stop. You are there, but that was. We need to back up. Anyway, yeah. So I was, I was, I was trying to say, um, when these women are nurturing these babies for nine months or eight, nine, ten, depending on what's going on, and then you have to give birth, go through the pain of that after nurturing, you have a connection to that baby, even if you're scared. And even if you don't want it, there's this connection, it's in your body. You know, you give birth, and then they're like, No, we're going to take it away. And not necessarily the nicest birth process either, I don't think there, that has got to be a traumatic thing that they're sitting with for the rest of their life. And they don't, and they can't go get, I mean, how do they know how to find their baby later well it's it's a diff it has been a difficult process and if you mm-hmm. lived in the closed states uh where the records were sealed you weren't able to ever find mm-hmm. anything and now that the dna results are these gift kits that people gift at christmas time you were able to find all kinds of secrets out and I actually <laughs> one of those and I received a message with the subject line, are you my sister? Well, oh, wow. that, that will get your attention. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, sure enough, she and uh, another young woman are my half sisters um, mm-hmm. through my biological father. And so you just don't know what's going to happen. Most of the results <laughs> these days with the DNA kits, from what I've heard, are exposing uh, fathers who you thought was your biological father, but who is not. That has mm-hmm. been the most common thing to come out with these DNA kits. I bet I got a whole lot more family than I think. I'm I was thinking do. Sister Linda is part I'm of that. Think, I'm just saying. Um, no, she doesn't. So in our family, um, from myself, this is so weird. Um, six kids in our family my older sister looks she's got natural curly hair hello i don't think i have that and she's got um almost black eyes i don't think i have that she looks she looks she does i know she doesn't look anything like us the rest of us Mm -hmm. so there's my sister older sister and then there's Five, five, all five the same. of us said we look identical, like people thought my brother and I were twins and we weren't. They kept putting us in class together. We look that much alike. And then the last two children born that we know about it um, were uh, twins, not identical twins. So my twin brothers, one looks just like I do and other one looks like my older sister. <laughs> <laughs> So you're like they mixed her up at the hospital because a case a case happened here in Texas many years ago, and that actually happened. And a little Hispanic girl grew up in a Caucasian household, and the Caucasian child grew up in the Hispanic household. And you would think that they would be able to tell the differences in the hospitals, but from the whoa, uh, they didn't have they didn't have the little armbands back then, you know, so. I mean, there are just some crazy, wonderful, fantastic stories out here. Man, you must be totally inundated with this. I mean, this has just got to be a nonstop thing every day. You're hearing these stories. You've got your story. And you've got to think, you know, it's reunions are wonderful, but it's, it's, wow. I mean, even because there's also, is there, is there a need for forgiveness when at that time you've got to look at the way history was set up? Is there a need for that? Well, I think from the, 
from the birth mother, most birth mothers ask their children they've given up for adoption for their forgiveness. They ask for forgiveness because they carry that grief and that burden of guilt. I can imagine their entire yeah. lives. Every day they think about that. My birth mother told me that she stopped when she lived in Europe, she stopped in every cathedral and prayed that I was going to be okay because she was so guilty about leaving a part of herself in the world and she didn't know where it was and mm. and she just grieved and grieved and grieved and I you know I told her that that I did not I had a wonderful childhood but she had seen some programs about abused children you know mm. children in magazines who had been mm. abused and she thought did I give my child to one of those situations mm. but you know the thing is Women are always made feel so guilty over what they do. Everything. Men can do whatever. Nobody cares. That's fine. Go sow your wild oats and all that stuff that happens. Women are made to feel guilty over almost every decision they ever make. Should you go to work as a woman? No, you're not allowed to work. Oh, then you go to work as a woman. And as you climb up the elevator of success more and more people dislike you for that it, it just it's it has been so much harder on women than men that i i just think they should respect and be quiet well you know it looks <laughs> like on the surface it looks like we've traveled far from the shame and the guilt heaped by society on unwed mothers you know because mm -hmm. They were shipped away to these maternity homes to have their babies and give them up. But in a lot of communities, children out of wedlock and single mothers are still looked down upon mm -hmm. yes. differently and they experience prejudice. So I just, I want us all to just be kind to one another exactly. and not talk badly about birth parents because they wanted better lives for their children than they were able mm -hmm. to provide. Mm -hmm. And the women who are keeping their babies now should be supported and you know yeah everyone should be yeah. you know it's tell us about the three ladies in your book tell us about yeah. each character well they're all very different because I wanted to show that um, women came from all walks of life when they got pregnant in these days and they were all treated exactly the same with the shame mm -hmm. there was one socialite in there um, from a very wealthy family. Mm -hmm. One um, of the young women was um, attacked by her father's associate and her father was an evangelical minister uh, nationally and internationally known. And the third one came from a very poor background and um, was threatened by her mother's boyfriend so she ran away and became an exotic dancer so they oh. all they all are completely different you know mm -hmm. personalities different walks of life but they all felt the same gave up the their babies the same actually mm -hmm. ended up having their babies on the same day so mm -hmm. it was it was uh, good to show that that the women were very different in a lot of ways, but the same in others and treated the same by society. It's got to be hard to go through that birth, forceps included, and then, you know, the forceps. off you leave the hospital. It's not like you have that cuddle session or, you know, it's no cigar smoking. There's none of, you know, it. I don't even know if that exists anymore with that, but, you know, there's none of that and that's and yet you know that society there's no congratulations no it's family not, it's not a celebration no at all yeah those women had to turn their backs and pretend nothing happened and heal and not look and what about your physical body too yes yes about going yeah. from that and people knowing okay so you're kind of in hiding for the nine months right well back then and yeah. my grandmother's day uh, women didn't go out of the house when they were showing they no. were you know, called that way and they yeah. stayed in and did not show their bodies yeah and when they came out with maternity clothing my grandmother went ballistic she said you can't wear that I'm like you yeah. know why not but she she was like no you stay home I'm like well I didn't it, no 
I don't want to stay. <laughs> you know, that's what's been interesting, Nancy, is that so many young women today don't know about this time period. Yeah. Don't even and, know what uh, what happened, what the issues with women mm-hmm. were back then, how they were treated, you know, mm-hmm. about adoption, about, you know, giving birth when you were not um, married. And, and they are very shocked by this. Well, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, I was married and all that, but my grandmother couldn't even say, she said with child, she couldn't say pregnant, the word pregnant somehow. And she had five, six kids. Well, you could be preggers. <laughs> no, but yeah, preggers. Well, there's no way Nana would put up with the word preggers. No way. Yeah, but Nana she, was also, she loved wearing pants when you could finally wear pants as a woman. Yeah, she's, she, she yeah, she wore pants. She rode a motorcycle. You know, and she was, she rode a motorcycle from California to Canada and back. It's like when you say with child, it's almost like a disease. It almost sounds like a disease. You know what I mean? It's like you're with child. Well, I know you're with child. It was because it was attached to sex. Yeah. And you're not supposed to only men, men are supposed to have sex, but women aren't supposed to. So I don't know who the men are having sex. Every time you look at someone who's pregnant or they've had children, you're like, oh, you had sex. You did it. That's it. It's the nasty. It's not just sex, which is a natural thing. You did the nasty. (laughs) And, and yet that is a natural thing to do. I mean, you know, so but they never look at the men. Is, but I think it, you it, did the a, nasty. They only look the at nasty, the woman. But you're allowed to do the nasty if you're married. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you know. And what happens if your husband was an idiot? You know, what happens if you married somebody and he was a bad husband? There's there are men, there are husbands that rape their wives, mm-hmm. and you can have a child. And then what if you were raped? Then what? Then you brought it on yourself, right? Yeah, you must have been wearing a no, like the excuses. You were lo- wearing a low cut blouse or something like that. You wore sexy clothes. You went into a bar. You did. As it. far as I'm concerned, you should be able to walk around naked and not get raped. Now, back then, they didn't care what, what your husband did to you, whether he yeah. was abusive, yeah, that's alcoholic, true. What, what happened in that house, stayed in that house. And you didn't talk about it and you continued your marriage and you never told anybody what was happening. And you're supposed to feel lucky you were married. Yeah, that's right. Because otherwise if you spend keep a roof over your children's heads. I can remember my grandmother saying that. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. But at the same time, like what if you were single and got raped? Then you would have to go give up your baby. You must have done something to ask for it. True. That's horrible. And that yeah, happens to women all the time. Yep. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, and then keep the, yeah, if you're with an abusive husband, you don't run because you've got the roof over the head. And, and even if he's not providing that well, right, it's still that. And I wonder, is it also different being in the South versus if you were in the West or the Northeast? Oh, sure. I mean, we were in the Bible Belt and um, and, oh, and things God. were much more strict there and conservative, of course. But, um, you know, I think that I showed some of that in the book. Um, mm-hmm. I had one of the women have a biracial relationship, which was unheard of. Wow, that's yeah. a big deal. I mean, that's the reason that I was given up for adoption was that my mother was Catholic. My father was Jewish. And back then that was oh, just that's a big like, deal. Wow. Like a biracial relationship in the South. It was just, wow. and it was not going to happen. But Wasn't that's that still crazy? happening. That is still happening today. I mean, it, it depending it's on nuts. your family and, you know, that people are still angry if, you know, a white girl brings a black boy home or, you know, if it the different mm-hmm. religions, depending on who, mm-hmm. what, and where it's not gone away a hundred percent yet. So, and, you know, again, looking at what Texas is like right now and, you know, everybody's got their religious and political beliefs and somehow those are intertwined. Um, but people I think your are book people. is timely. I think it's timely because we, we're still not done getting the freedom that women need. No, and no. it can- 
it can go in reverse too, not just um, Caucasians adopting African-American children, but I follow one woman who has adopted, she's African-American, mm-hmm. has adopted a Caucasian child, and she wow. just sees all kinds of flack about that. And really? you know, I think that whatever home we can provide, we should not be looking at these skin colors as a barrier to provide a home for a child who's in need. My oldest daughter uh, believes in adoption because she saw, you know, that I was adopted and she adopted four older children. Oh, that's hard too. That's yeah. I was 16. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, we, we believe in adoption. We believe in providing homes for, for children in need. And that's one thing I hope the book will do is, is open Mm. up a conversation about the hundreds of thousands of children in foster care Mm -hmm. who are waiting for a home. And, and the older they get, the harder it is. It's like, are you going to buy the full dog versus a puppy? I hate to say that, but it's exactly the way we are. Mm-hmm. And I did put that in, in the book. One of mm-hmm. the nurses asked the other nurse, she said, you don't know what you're going to get when you adopt. And the nurse said, do you know what you're going to get when you have your own? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, that's no idea. Three children are like, they're not even cousins, much less from the same parents. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, people have to forget that line of reasoning and, and realize that, you know, you give, a child. you give children love and, and take care of them and they're going to love you back. Well, if you've got to look at the world being, you know, I mean, globally, um, the world is a community here. We're the human species, right? We can all, you know, we're coming from the Neanderthals and here we are, we're supposed to be the civilized ones in some ways. And we really mm-hmm. don't act that way, but we should be providing each other the nurturing and care because we're within the same species, family, whatever we're, you know, all the religious mm-hmm. people are going to get mad at me, but, well, <laughs> just saying, no, but, but we just, come on, it's, there's, it's, it's, there's an um, intolerance to a different point of view, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, okay, that's what you think. This is what I think. Let's mm-hmm. just go, go think about the other side and see if there's any point within the two dialogues that where you can relate and find middle ground. We don't do that, especially lately. That yeah. Since four yeah. or five years ago, <laughs> you know, we have forgotten to, to relate to each other. You can cross over into cultures with children as well. Mm. Two of my grandchildren were adopted from Costa Rica. And oh, so, wow. My daughter nice. would take them back down there and make sure they stayed in touch with their culture. And I mean, there are ways that you can help your children mm-hmm. maintain a sense of culture and yet mm-hmm. be off yeah. the streets, not being danger by living on the streets. I don't know if people just say, I don't want you to you know, adopt out of culture, but they'd rather see these children on the streets. I, I, you know, I think people really need to travel more because when they just stay in the same neighborhood that they were born in, never go anywhere and grow and stay there, they have these rigid lines that just really don't work Mm -hmm. in today's society. This is a fluent society. Things move and they move faster than they did 30, 40 years ago. So, and I think travel is a way to broaden your, your mind and accept other cultures, accept other foods. And yeah, you may not like everything you see, but you don't have to do everything you see. You can pick and choose, mm-hmm. but you can at least educate yourself to, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But, oh, no, no, to, no. but just educate yourself to be a more uh, giving, accepting person. And I don't know where all the rules are coming from, but I don't think there's anybody on earth who hasn't broken rules and doesn't have something to hide somewhere. So stop, just give, give everybody a pass. Just. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that with your book about you were talking about you, you've met all, you know, women who, you know, have been adopted and, and who have also given birth, but have you seen any, you know, just people kind of turn around because sometimes 
like I just know with my friend and, and others that we've interviewed mm -hmm. too and, and know, um, when you say, oh, I was adopted, it's almost like, oh, I don't, I don't want to ask questions. <laughs> if you, you know, there's kind of this wall. It's mm -hmm. almost like, you know, when a friend has cancer, you don't know what to say. It's yeah. like, oh, you can't just blindly go, oh, it'll be fine because that's crud, you know. One of so the stories in the book is a true mm -hmm. story where my grandmother and aunt were pushing me and my first cousin, we were only a month apart in age, pushing us as babies down in this small town where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And a lady walked up and said, I want to see that baby. And so my grandmother held up my cousin and she said, no, I want to see that adopted one. You know, like I would have horns coming out of my head. <laughs> Dude, that's but, disgusting. You know, people, people are really funny about, you know, where like, you, and, and that's all a, an adopted child really wants to know, I think, is the search becomes, um, we all want to know our origin. We all well, want to know our maker, you know, whether you're religious, mm -hmm. you believe in a higher power or not, you want to know where you came from. Yeah, you do. And I, I think that we all, you know, deserve that. I, I don't want adoption to become a problem so that adoptive parents don't feel they can adopt without somebody showing up on their doorstep to retrieve this child after they've had them for, you know, 15 years. Right. I don't want something like that to happen, but there's right. got to be some way that we can incorporate health records and, and ways to get in touch later when you're an adult, if you would like, right. Because there aren't very many of us who search. There's a large number who are not interested in searching. Mm -hmm. And I think some people search for the wrong reasons. If they haven't had um, a good childhood, maybe they search thinking they're going to recreate a family unit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're disappointed because that person who gave them up, you know, it's been 20, 30 years and you don't know that person anymore you've lost mm -hmm. the mother child relationship you mm -hmm. can have a friendship but it's never going to be that nurturing mother child growing up together kind of yeah relationship. well I think hmm. when, when people are you know as adoptive parents they're giving I mean we've got in our own family um mm -hmm. this happened too where you know our cousins uh adopted a foster girl that was in the system and it was a really really tough situation because her parent her mom was a uh, crack addict and it was also in her system as a baby mm -hmm. and so this was a process of it yeah. really affected her as an individual as a child because she had those chemicals in her body and so mm -hmm. it affected her personality it affected and so there was a lot of therapy Trauma. and trauma and then the mm -hmm. mom wanted to come back and it, it was a it was messy let's put it that way mm -hmm. but she turned it out to be become um, a healing woman she heals people like, mm -hmm. as a career now and um healthy and happy and beautiful and mm -hmm. you know you can get through that and the family worked you know together they may not have been blood relatives but they were a unit to work together no matter what happened with the for the good of the birth of her. mother right mm -hmm. and so it, the lady the birth mother needed help too obviously mm -hmm. you know and there are a lot of situations like that and and you just hope that um you're not going to be rejected again if you go on this search you have to be prepared you have to mm -hmm. hope for the best but you mm -hmm. have to be prepared for the worst because yeah. somebody might slam the door in your face and say I'm not interested in knowing you that was a long time ago and mm. my, my family doesn't know about you and I can't you know open right. this can of worms and so you have to be prepared for that you have to be strong enough that if you're going to search you may not like what you find mm. you know yes. we're yes. called humans you know and the word human you know when you say the word human it means different things to different people but part of that being human is that you're kind and that seems to be the first thing that leaves the table sometimes in different in different circumstances you know a child is a child no matter who the birth parents are mm -hmm. a person is a person no matter who their parents are kindness so I, wins out on all kindness and yeah. love 
And there, there is enough love in everyone's family to not be afraid. The adoptive parents don't have to be afraid of the birth parents because their child loves them. They're just curious. They just want to know more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. not to replace them. They can, you can open up your family and have many aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers mm -hmm. and sisters, as you know, and, and it can just be multiplied. You know, love can just multiply. You don't have to feel, oh, they're going to take away from my relationship with this child. No, well, not if you have a good one. No, and you know, and I think that's, you, that is a, a myth in a way, right? That it's like, oh, well, I'm gonna to have to give up one for the other. And that is no. not true. I mean, that's, it's, I think that comes from high school. It's like, you're my best friend. Oh, you can't have more than one best well, friend, you know? I was, I was yeah. just gonna say in school, you know, that sometimes, especially in English lit, they're like, who are you? Write a paper on who you are. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know who you are and your family and you're right there, then, okay, this is who I am. This is where I came mm -hmm. from. But if you're adopted, what happens? Do they even think about that when they ask that question? No. Because they do it in English lit all the time. Who are you? Mm -hmm. And maybe they mean it more um, or less graphically than it comes through. But who are you? And you now you have to really search who are you. Yeah. And then you're like, well, there's a whole side of my life I know nothing about. So I really don't know who I am. Yes. And a lot of people have been asked that in, in school to provide your family tree and show exactly. you where you came from. And you just have to take your adoptive parents' family tree. And, you know, that was so interesting to me through the DNA mm -hmm. results is I got to find out this whole different um, wow. tree because I had been told all my life that my great grandmother was probably Cherokee that I had native American in me. Look at these cheekbones. I mean, you mm -hmm. would, I've never had to color my hair. Well, <laughs> DNA results prove that I'm half Jewish. Yeah. You know, like my uh, birth father you know, turned, uh. out, I mean, turned out to be Jewish. So I, I was just thrown for a loop. I mean, something that you've been told all your life that you believe to be true. I was mm -hmm. kind of like Elizabeth Warren walking around <laughs> telling everybody I was Native Call American. You Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's in our family. And there's a there's uh, Paiute. And then we don't really know. We should do the DNA thing, really. We should, out. actually. Because I think families have these stories that get wild over the years. Over every mm -hmm. holiday dinner, somebody has a little cocktail and goes let's there add this goes. embellishment on it. it makes a good story <laughs> yeah it? i mean it's like at one point we're part of the lewis and clark expedition uh, I'm like, I, really? <laughs> I think no i really do think that during world war ii coming out of world war ii that particular generation told a lot of lies <laughs> because every time i meet someone who's the same age we all say the same thing. There's that generation, there's a couple of generations in there coming out of World War II where for whatever the reason may be, they lied. Well, uh -oh. I know. <laughs> I don't well, know, just... it's something that happened in World War II. I don't know, I... After, after World War II. And I think it was everybody, when the soldiers came home and there was a feeling of freedom, people felt a little bit happy and martinis started to happen and and i think martinis I and know, led to a lot of babies <laughs> and then and then maybe during world war ii people were scared to say what race they really were mm -hmm. because there was a threat there a big mm -hmm. threat so it maybe I'm there's a reason boomers, you know i'm one of the baby boomers and they mm -hmm. celebrated when they came home from the war and they had all of us and um mm -hmm. You know, there's a large, large group that are still searching right now to hopefully find their parents before it's too late, because a lot of them have passed on. Yeah, yeah, I hope so, hmm. too. So what's next for you? Are you yeah. in, just immersed in this whole story? Well, my daughters wish that I would do a sequel to this book, but I've already written a second book. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of NaNoWriMo, but it's National yeah, yeah. 
Novel Writing Month, and they challenge you to write 50,000 words in the month of November. Well, the month oh. of November also happens to be National Adoption Month. So oh. I took the challenge and I made the 50,000 words and oh. um, they were, it was pretty ugly first draft, but it's being edited right now and hopefully going to publish uh, in August again this year, like I had cool. And this book, No Names to Be Given, is being shopped around to studios in Hollywood right now. Wonderful. Good. A possible streaming uh, series or movie. So there's more to come and it's very exciting. This is I exciting. Think it, I see this as a TV series because you could just go on and on because families have stories after stories after stories with each generation. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well cool. done. I, this is, a, I mean, it's you, exciting. You, before writing, what you were involved in what, craft markets in, in Mississippi? Well, I was the executive director of the Craftsman's Guild in Mississippi, and uh, we operated the Mississippi Craft Center, and that was 300 oh. very uh, fine, uh, high level, talented artisans from 19 mm. different states if y'all ever drive through mississippi down the natchez trace you should yes. stop in at the mississippi craft center and oh. see the quality of work there cool oh, how exciting how exciting so you the arts have always been with you I, I love i love people who can do things with their hands and they're the creative types i was in public relations most of my life and in marketing um at colleges and at the department of education but but that was my favorite job i think was was telling the stories of all those craftsmen cool oh that's awesome that's, that's well sweet. the arts are, are like what really share look at what you're doing with your book you know it's everyone no given names uh no names given what i've got this all twirled around in my in my notes here uh, no names could, to be given no names to be given what happened in my notes i didn't do it yes i did <laughs> but go to juliadaily.com the book is out now through amazon bookshop org uh it, wherever you get books and if you want to go to your independent booksellers and say hey we want it uh so definitely go get it so mm -hmm. no names given and thank you so much for joining us it's been a real pleasure julia been a great chat thanks lisa and nancy and y'all be real careful on the road oh we, we will we've done it we've done some crazy stuff already yeah. uh, but everyone no names <laughs> to be given i got it right it's an amazon bestseller my gosh so uh, it's great congratulations book. It's great and i really do hope it comes out on a streaming series yeah. or some way for us to see it visually too and and best wishes with your next book as well thank you thank give you us so a much. heads up if if it goes yeah. places yeah we want to know uh, everyone, yeah. thanks for joining us. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. <music>